Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 46 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew crawling towards the big old 50 and 52. I'm Jordan Lorenz, joined alongside the one and only Drew Skyberg. 8 a.m. recording as Drew's going back to college. Sir, how are you doing? And I mean, we're, we're not doing the best coming off this Packer loss. Yeah, it was certainly a tough game last night. That You know, one of the biggest meltdowns we've seen in a long time. And, but hey, I, I'm doing well, you know, moving back to Milwaukee, it would have been yesterday and I'm also going to the Marquette game. So we'll talk about that later, the Marquette Golden Eagles, but yeah, I'm doing well. Just, you know, I got four classes now that are virtual this semester out of my six for at least the first week. And then I got two in person. So it looks like I'm going to be doing a lot of work from Zoom. So I'm up. I'm an online guy, but like my online classes, they aren't Zoom related. You know what I mean? Like they're just do at your own pace. The asynchronous that sort of kind thing. of yeah. style. Yeah. That's what I like. I sign up for those ones on purpose because I don't want to, if I'm going to do it online, I don't want to have to sit through a Zoom meeting and be like, all right, from 1030 to 12, you're going to do a Zoom meeting for an online. I don't want to do that. I just want to be like online at my own pace, do what I'm able to do. So fingers crossed for you and you guys that you're able to actually get back in person because it's, it's wild over there. Right now, Minnesota Wild. We'll talk about that moving forward. Don't forget, guys, we are on all the social media platforms. JD Sports Pod on Twitter. I was very active Saturday night with a bunch of things, trying to get some engagement and flying around saying everything about the Bengals and Packers. And I went silent in the second half of the Packer game. I didn't, I don't I think, I think I tweeted one thing. I think I tweeted one thing. I just did not, I, it was not good at all. And JD Sports Pod on the Instagram, Jordan Drew the Sports Pro on YouTube and on facebook and we have our pod page as well i do have breaking news i was looking at the pod page and you actually can't leave a review on there anymore that's one of their pro features and we lost access to that after the first week so sadly can't leave a review on there but you can't it doesn't make sense because you can our youtube videos are still up there and they're updating and that's a pro feature but the reviews are not so i don't really understand but you can leave a review on spotify or apple podcast or I've Google podcast. If you're an Android guy, I'm sure you can leave a review on there, but that is all we got. Shout out of the week. It goes to Francis Ninganu. We are sadly not getting a UFC recap due to the Packer game and UFC 270 being on at the same time. I just wasn't able to do a full recap for you guys. It would have been short and it wouldn't have been the best because the first two fights both ended in the first round. This was a terrible undercard on paper. And we got some finishes, which is good. The third fight, I really paid no attention to. It had a UFC debut in there as well. The first and third fights both had UFC debuts, but it was Packer time for the third fight. It was crunch time, and I really couldn't pay attention. It was supposedly a good fight, but I really couldn't see. And then the co-main event, I'll talk about them both real quick, but the shout-out to Francis Ngannou, we'll get to that in a second. Co-main event, Brandon Moreno loses the flyweight title. To Davis and Figueredo, Drew Davis and Figueredo, the first ever two-time flyweight champion. And we are going to see, most likely, a pair of fighters face off for the fourth time, for the first time ever in the UFC. The first fight went to a draw. They went to a decision, and it was a tie. Second fight, Brandon Moreno won. He actually won via stoppage. And now this third fight, Davis and Figueredo won. So it's one, one, and one. No doubt in my mind, they run it back one more time. It'll basically be two and a half years of the flyweight division tied up with only these two guys fighting each other. But hey, 
They're good fights every single time, so I can't complain. And our shout out once again, Francis Ngannou, he beat Cyril Gan by decision. I was afraid this was going to be a five-round snooze fest, and it pretty much was, but wow, Francis Ngannou, the baddest man on the planet. Everyone's afraid of his punching power. This man started training with Kamaru Usman and worked on his ground game, and man, this guy is something else. We don't know if he's going to resign or not. So the current UFC champ, the UFC heavyweight champ, might not even resign with the company. I know he wants to do some boxing stuff against Tyson Fury. So we'll have to see what happens there. But shout out to Francis Ngannou winning this fight and doing all of that with MCL and ACL injuries. Just a complete beast. And he's going to show up in our next category, the stats of the week. It's a stat-heavy episode. Not a whole lot for on this day, but we've got stats to go around, including two of them on Tom Brady. Kind of interesting. In the wild card last week, starting quarterbacks, Career postseason wins for 11 of the starting quarterbacks. 26 wins combined for them. So not bad, right? Not bad at all. Tom Brady himself, 34 career postseason wins by himself, outdoing the 11 others combined. And Tom Brady is older than every other opposing NFC head coach still in the playoffs. Drew, how long is this dude going to play? I don't think he's ever retiring. Yeah, for sure. A couple more years, but there are hundreds of stats that show how old Tom Brady is. And, you know, they're always fun to see. And these two are no different. They are not. And the Packers are the first team in NFL history with 13 or fewer giveaways in three straight seasons. So that's nice to see. We obviously saw Mercedes Lewis give one away in the postseason, which we'll talk about when we get there. Timo Meyer sets the Sharks franchise record. This is NHL hockey now. Five goals. In just two periods. Oh, my goodness. And it was like a 5-1 game. This man had all five goals of the team. He was the team in this game. LeBron James, first player ever with 30,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 9,000 assists. Kudos to LeBron James there. And two UFC stats before we round things off. Kelvin Cater has absorbed more strikes in his last two bouts than 93% of all fighters in their entire UFC career. So let's do this one more time. Kelvin Cater has absorbed 573 significant strikes in his last two bouts. That is more than 93% of every fighter who's fought in the octagon since 1993. This man is, he's so fun to watch, but oh my goodness, you cannot keep up a career at the pace he is going. Francis Ngannou to round things off. His punch, I'm not a car guy, but this just sounds insane. His punch is equivalent to 93 horsepower, which is more than a smart car, and he holds the unofficial record for the hardest punch ever. So that is that to round things off. The date today, January 24th, 2022. Just five things on this day. I mean, more happened on this day, but just five good things that happened. On this day in 1947, the NFL adds a fifth official, the back judge, and allows sudden death in playoffs. So, I mean, we're not experts here, but Drew, my question to you is, were the playoffs ending in a tie or something like that, that they needed to add sudden death? Yeah, I think the sudden death was more of like an overtime kind of thing to introduce. Okay. And I, I think, yeah, there must have been a fear of a tie or some sort. I don't know, but that is 
very odd. Imagine, you know, Packers, Niners goes to overtime, ends in a tie. And then like whoever wins yesterday between the Bucks and Rams, they just get a bye to go into the Super Bowl. That could be crazy, but thankfully that doesn't happen. Three years later on this day in 1950, Jackie Robinson signs the highest contract in Dodgers history. A measly $35,000. So obviously that is bottom, bottom tier baseball money, minor leaguers making that right now. On this day in 1964, CBS purchases 1964 and 1965 TV rights for $28.2 million to the NFL. There was just a uh, Xbox deal, I'm pretty sure I saw, which was worth like $80 billion. So that goes to show how much money has changed in things like this. On this day, 1976, the Cleveland Cavaliers have their biggest margin of victory by 43 points. And you're like, well, why is that on here? What's so special? Came against the Milwaukee Bucks. So I figured I'd throw it in here. They lose 132 to 89. And then on this day, 1982, Super Bowl 16, Super Bowl XVI from Detroit in the Silverdome sees the Niners. Yuck. Beat the Bengals, that's my team right there, 26-21. Joe Montana is the MVP of the Super Bowl. So that's what we got for on this day. No more ads. Let's just go right into the weekly sports talk segment. And we're going to get it out of the way and waste no time as we talk some NFL playoffs. The Bengals beat the Titans. So we're going to start with the good game. The Bengals beat the Titans 19-16. Evan McPherson, four field goals in back-to-back playoff games, ice in his veins. And did you see the quote, Drew, where he, on the sideline, when Joe Burrow set him up for this drive, he went over to Joe Burrow and said, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game before he went out. Did you see that? I didn't. That, uh, that's some insane stuff, though. Oh, wow. This this kid, it's a he's a rookie, too. So that's just... It is, man, he is so, so good. I do want to mention Joe Mixon, though. Back-to-back, very, very mediocre playoff games. He had a touchdown, 14 carries, 54 yards. But once again, it was the Jamar Chase and T. Higgins show. Five for 109 for Chase, seven for 96 for Higgins. Mixon also had six catches for 51 yards. And then C.J. Uzama, big old 87. I love this guy. Seven catches for 71 yards as Burrow goes 28 of 37. One interception, so he did see an interception. It was a controversial one at that. 348 yards in the air. Drew, let's talk about this Bengals team real quick as they get the win by three. I mean, Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 62 yards. He didn't look like himself, in my opinion, as Tannehill goes 15 of 24 220 yards in the air, one touchdown to three interceptions. Ryan Tannehill is just bad, in my opinion. Don't want him in this spot, and they didn't have Derrick Henry to carry the team. Deonta Freeman, four carries, 66 yards. I tweeted it. He looked like the more explosive runner by a country mile. Derrick Henry just didn't look the same, and even without Joe Mixon going off, Joe Burrow was able to carry this team to the AFC Championship. Yeah, I actually was shocked here. I had the Titans. I think if Tannehill plays, you know, okay, I think they win this game. And I'll be, I, you know, I'll just talking about the Titans first here as they lost. Sure. I think that team was good enough to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, and they were the one seed for, you know, it wasn't for nothing. They played half the year without Derrick Henry. So they still were able to knock that up. And yeah, you know, A.J. Brown had a 
five receptions for 142 yards. He, he went off in the champion or in the divisional that, round game. That one-handed grab. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then we just saw Tannehill make some, you know, errant throws. We saw that a few of those interceptions. That one in the third quarter was really a killer, but nine sacks for this defense. That's this, the big the, key. And they still lost. I'm shocked, you know, after I, I'm stunned. I, I know I'm more stunned about the, the, the night game last night, but correct. Yeah. But, but come on. And yeah, Jamar Chase, five, they they held him in check if you look in term. I mean, he still had over 100 yards, but. He just had that long 57-yard reception, but there's other yeah, That was on like, a screen, too, so it's yeah. not like they even gave up a deep route. Yeah, Higgins had seven receptions. Uzma had seven receptions. This is a balanced, this is a balanced offense here, really balanced attack. You're not going to see Mixon rush for a lot because, yeah, like it's so balanced. So 50-plus yards rushing is kind of like what I'm expecting out of him around that 50 mark, and that's where he got today, and Wow. You know, Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow, without throwing a, you know, um, a passing touchdown, still played very well, as you mentioned. But this team now is going to either go to Buffalo or Kansas City. They beat Kansas City already. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible for this team to get to the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, I give me a Bengals and Rams Super Bowl. That's what I want right now. We'll have to see if it happens. I guess I could mention my long bet. Last week, where I said the Cowboys were going to win the Super uh, Bowl, I was just—I don't—I don't know what I was doing there. Honestly, I, I was going to say Bills, and then last second I changed it to Cowboys, but they got bounced last week by the Niners. Who bounced the Green Bay Packers? Yes, indeed, we have to talk about it. And Drew, I, we haven't talked about this yet, but should we do a Packers season recap? Should we do a bonus episode like we do for Brewers and stuff like that? You might see one come out. Yeah, it, it's yeah. gonna take a few weeks, maybe a few sure. to just to recover. Let's say. Yes, so. we did it with the Brewers too. It's not like the same week we recorded it and got it out. So let's talk Niners and Packers. Packers first drive, a thing of beauty. Go down the field with ease. Rogers has like fifty-five yards. Adams four receptions. Aaron Jones looking good. Dylan puts in the touchdown. Packers get a three and out. This defense is looking phenomenal against the run game. And then it's a standstill, and then it's a standstill, and then it's a standstill, and it's seven nothing at the half. At the half, Jimmy G had like four receptions for fifty yards or something. They were driving down the field. He throws that ridiculous interception, and then we go to the second half. Niners get a field goal, seven three, and it's all of a sudden ten three in the fourth quarter, uh, or ten ten, I should say, in the fourth quarter, and then. They do it. The game-winning field goal for the 49ers. Let's talk stats before we get into all the mishaps in this game. Jimmy G, 11 of 19, 131 yards in an interception. You're going to let that quarterback beat you? Then on the ground, Mitchell, 53 yards. Debo, 39 yards. You're kidding me. That's the team that's beating us. George Kittle, four receptions, 63 yards. He had a huge drop in the first half that could have easily been a touchdown, and Debo was held to just 44 yards receiving Aaron Rodgers this was kind of like the Christmas game against the Browns in my opinion they started off hot looking good and then just became stale 20 of 29 225 yards I mean it's not just the Browns game we've seen this so much in the season where this team the offense either starts out with nothing and then heats up or is kind of good in the like the second quarter mostly and then just dies and it died 
here in this game. Jones, 12 carries, 41 yards. The big one, though, nine receptions for 129 yards from Aaron Jones. I mean, he tried to put the team on his back. He did all he could. A.J. Dillon injury really hurt things. He finished 7 of 25. Devontae Adams, nine carries, 90 yards. Mercedes Lewis had a carry for zero yards with fumble. And then Al Nazard, one carry for six yards. MVS was out. Uh, Randall Cobb was back this game. His only target was a terrible throw by Rodgers that could have ended in an interception. I feel like, so this is just me talking right now. I feel like Aaron Rodgers had tunnel vision for Devontae Adams in this game, and he wasn't looking anywhere else. I mean, he tried to scramble at one point, but he got taken down by Bosa. But if it wasn't a check down to Aaron Jones, which all seemed to be on like third and long, not getting a first down, it seemed like it was Devontae Adams or bust, in my opinion. And that wasn't a good way to go out. This Packers team loses once again due to special teams, blocked field goal to end the first half, would have made it 10 nothing going into the locker room. A blocked punt leads to a touchdown. And then on the last play of the game, special teams, 10 guys on the field. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's how it's such a storybook way for the season to end. I tweeted out. It makes no sense at all. You're only going to have 10 guys out there and we lose on a last second field goal due to Robbie gold. And uh, I just, honestly, I have no words for this loss. Like there's so many things we could say, but I feel like there's so little we're going to talk about right now. Well, yeah, I'll start some talking points here, Jordan. Um, wow. What, what a game and certainly a game, you know, looking at how the Packers play. If you just read the stats, this is the beauty. This is the beauty of football, because if you read these stats, it looks like the Packers won this game. I'd say by like two scores, you know, without looking at touchdowns, Jimmy G played, you know, some of the worst football I've seen out of a, a winning playoff quarterback in a long time. He's like, so bad. Like, he's just not good. Unbelievably. T- I know he's playing through, you know, the shoulder injury and the thumb, but wow, he played horrendous. Some of his completions of those 11 completions are him escaping from pressure and just throwing the ball up. He had one where he just literally underhand tossed the ball to Elijah Mitchell. There, there are certainly those you know, little lob passes he did on the out routes three yeah. times. They could have been interceptions and they never were. I don't understand why he's lobbing those. You got to just fire those bad boys. in. If, if this team, if, wow. If this 49ers team had at least an, an okay quarterback, you know, I you talk about kind of, like how we talked about Tannehill playing, I, and Tannehill's a lot better than Jimmy G still. And I that's think. saying something. And that, yeah, you could say that's saying something. But wow, like if they had a, I don't even know who under center, just someone, you know, average. Um, th- this team, I think, would be like a one seed. Like the, the the supporting cast they have around these guys and, you know, that defense for sure. Just I still just, think they'd be a whole lot better off starting Trey Lance. I know he's rookie. I know he hasn't done a whole lot, but in the times he's been in, dude's been fired. And all like, look at what Jimmy G does. I mean, the long ball that he's thrown, like <laughs> some of the, the throws that he made this game, like that one to Kittle right over the middle. Come on, anyone, any quarterback in the NFL could make that. Yes, and, like I think all the throws he make, you know, any quarterback could really do. And it's just a matter of decision making and stuff. And he doesn't even have that going for him. So that, that's that's my whole. My whole thing with the 49ers, but wow, um, the Packers defense does not give up a touchdown uh, the whole game, and they still lose. Um, that was one thing. And then also just they don't – 49ers don't score on – they don't have an offensive or defensive touchdown. Yeah, like, like you said, all special teams. Special Embarrassing. Teams, touchdown field. And when I saw that punt, I, I knew 
I mean, I just had a bad feeling about it. I was like, how are they going to mess this up? And they did the unthinkable. They did it. They watching that guy get burnt. It was the guy in the middle. He got, Mm -hmm. he got blew off the ball. And I was like, it didn't look like he was making an effort. I, I was, I was shocked. Um, to see and then it took Bohorkas like two minutes to get the ball out of his hands. I don't know what he was doing. You're in the back of the end zone. You got to let it go, buddy. Yeah, and it's hard to blame the punter in that situation. But, you, you know, I, I've never seen a special teams like this in the professional level melt on. It look, it, this looked like a high school special teams, you know, getting a guy beat up in the middle, like to block that punt. I, I don't know how he was able to bull rush through. Like, I've never seen that. Like, you got to at least like get low and like kind of like, I don't know, actually prevent the guy try. from getting his hand up. I, yeah, tr- you could even say try. Yeah, it was that It was that bad. I, I've never seen that in the NFL, that, you know, just such a meltdown on the special teams. And, but that game, though, I, I'm, I'm losing words here because that last drive, though, with, um, you know, 10-10, Packers got the ball. Aaron Rodgers on third and long goes for the home run ball. I, I don't know if I agree with that decision there. Nope. You need the first down. You don't need the touch, you know, and that was certainly an interesting decision that was made. But if that was what he saw open, so be it. But I feel like, you know, going for that first down would have been a better decision there. And I was also shocked then, you know, listening to Matt LaFleur's uh, press conference after the game, you know, he, he took all accountability. Out yeah, of I don't like that. Punch. As as a head coach, I think you have to. So I, I I am glad he did, and I think he realizes. I mean, we saw like tears in eyes, like, and I, I don't know how much guilty. I'm sure he's feeling a good bit, but you know this this could be the last game of Aaron Rodgers. So I think he certainly feels liable for like causing, let's say, this meltdown over these past three years of not no Super Bowls with, because now he realizes like, hey, he might be in for a long ride now because. All points are indicating. We listened to Rogers post game thing. You know he doesn't want to play for a rebuilder, and Mm-mm. and right now they're projected to be almost fifty million dollars over the cap for next yeah, year. Yeah, that's that's not good. That this isn't going to happen. So now they're put in a really tough situation, and that's something we're going to be following this whole offseason. I think that's the most you know interesting aspect now for the NFL. If you're not going to watch the rest of the playoffs, um, this. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the most uncertainty we've had with the Packer team in a long, For long sure. time. We'll talk about it more in our Packer recap when we get there, unless you have anything else to say about this Packer game. That was terrible. Yeah, I agree. I think in the Packer recap, we can touch on more things. Zedary Smith and Rashawn Gary, you know, when, when Smith played and snaps, and then I also want to mention Rashawn Gary in the whole game. Wow, what a player. You got, yes. He's certainly a guy you got to keep. It's our defense, though. They can be, like, so good for so long. And then when it comes down to where they have to make a play, the only time they've made a play all year was in the Cardinals game with the interception in the red zone. That is the only time they've made Pick a play. Six with Douglas yeah. Yeah. and Rams. But, oh, the Rams game, too. I guess, yeah, we could point to that one. But there's just been so many times where they just blow it late in the game. And we usually our offense is able to rebound and do well and point to the Niners game, you know went to the Bengals game and that overtime thriller, but this time we had no offense. It was the worst Packers offensive performance I've seen in a long, long time. Jordan Love did a lot better against the Chiefs than we did right here against the Niners in this game. So we're going to put it to rest. No more Packer talk here on the podcast. Let's get a little more happy, Drew. Let's talk about Marquette. You were there yesterday, but the Villanova win, you didn't watch it live, but you watched 
this whole game. 57-54, the Justin Lewis three-point dagger. It would have been better if it was at the buzzer, you know, to win the game. But 57-54, as I said, Villanova, we got to point out, 13.5-point favorites. They had a 95% chance to win. 95. And if we were able to bet on teams, I would have been able to, I would have put big money on Marquette to win this game just because of that. And Justin Lewis finishes with 21. Uh, well, who else? Greg Elliott with 14. Darren Marcel with 10. I mean, no one double-digit boards, but who really cares? Tyler Krolik, six assists as well. That's his bread and butter. I mean, he shot one of six, but who cares? Team won the game. He's not a shooter. He played 36 minutes. Most out of anyone on the team tied with Darren Morcell. Villanova goes down. They lose by three. They had Dixon with 15, Moore with 13, and Gillespie with 10. Drew, the Golden Eagles get the job done at Villanova at the Pavilion for the first time ever. Yeah, the Pavilion, that's certainly a hard place to play, and we know they play at the Wells Fargo Center downtown Philly, but... They have to move. They have to play on campus today at their on campus arena. They won 29 straight games there, Jordan, before the loss that night. So that was certainly what, what Vegas liked. They liked, the, you know, uh, Villanova hosting this Marquette team at home in that pavilion. But hey, Justin Lewis came to play, and I was I was certainly shocked with how how he shot the ball in the game from the three point arc. I think that was certainly the deciding factor of this game. Five for eight, he took eight threes. It's, Usually you'd be kicking yourself if you see Lewis attempted eight threes in a basketball game because that's just not how who he is. And I, you know, watching through that game start to finish, I was he took a lot of these at the start, and I was like, what is he doing? You know, he's taking these threes, he's making them though. But and he ended up, yeah, finishing five for eight. So certainly a good decision on his end to, to take those. But we've we've seen games past of him actually shooting this Marquette team out of games. You know, in the Creighton loss, yes. some earlier losses against Xavier, it, it was. We, we, we've seen that, but, hey, he came to play today, and that's what matters. I think Shaka's smart how he coached this team up and what they would run, Jordan. They would run this 1-2-2 two, two, um, press, you know, some some pressure, give them full court pressure, and it, it worked to perfection against this Villanova team because with the 30-second shot clock, they were able to turn that into, let's say, a 20-second shot clock. With that 10 seconds, they would give a pressure up court, so... That certainly, you know, slowed the game down. And that's what you got to do against Villanova. You got to really slow the game down and just make the most of your possessions because you don't know how many you're going to get. And they, that Villanova team is just tough. And they, they did that and they came out with the dub and also on to them point out a few more things with that. Uh, the offensive, you know, production from other guys like Kolek, um, wasn't really there, but hey, he had he put up the big assist numbers, which is what we need. Exactly, that's what we need from him. Exactly, yeah. Greg Elliott scored all, I believe, all his fourteen points in the second half. That was good to see. Marcel had some big threes, you know, in the start of the game to kind of like make it prevent the Villanova run. And yeah, Villanova went on a run to go up like seven eight with like seven minutes left, and then they they had a scoring job for like five minutes, so seven to two minutes they. They didn't score a basket and single point. So that really helped Marquette take, you know, they took advantage of that. And they were able to like, Lewis was able to make that game 
that go ahead three where he kind of like lost the ball, just threw it up. Perfect. Switch. Yeah. It was a terrible possession too. And they just got lucky with where that thing landed. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he had uh, around 30 um, relatives at the game last night too, because he was from Baltimore and they made the short drive for, for the game to see him play. And certainly a good decision. It by, was worth it. Yeah. Well worth it. But while you know Greg Elliott coming off the bench is still, I think the X factor in this game. I know Justin Lewis, you could you could point at, but I expect production out of him, similar to this. So I think Lewis or not Lewis, how how Elliott's came off the bench and still getting those starter minutes has been big. And then we've seen how we've kind of see it. We see that Igadaro and uh, Prosper they kind of like flip minutes and they'll kind of equal a starter role. So like in this game, we saw 15 minutes out of Prosper and then 12 out of Igadaro, which equals like that 27 minute mark. So a round of starter minute of play, you know. Then David Joppa, let's talk about him, Jordan. The freshman out of Brookfield hits a hits a big three. In you know, Villanova has a lot of momentum, and Shaka throws him into the game, and he hits a three, and that you know, and then kind of leaves a few minutes later. So it was like a one and done kind of thing. It was a risk, and it was worth it. It, it was big, yeah. Getting those impact minutes; those are the guys who don't get talked about a lot. Cam Jones only played four minutes this game. I know he's coming back still from. I believe he was in the COVID nineteen protocols. I'm not sure, but he was he he was gone for a few few games, and it's good to have him back. But hopefully, we can see him kind of get a bit more minutes in yesterday's game. And we all and we also saw Stevie Mitchell. He played a little bit, four minutes for some defense. But wow, good win for the Golden Eagles here. Big upset. Now they are moved thirty number thirty three in the net rating. So wow, right now they have him as a seven seed. Which is big. In, That's huge in March Madness, and that'll go up if they won yesterday. And I just want to touch on Big East standings too, unless unless you have anything else to say about this game. No, go for it. Perfect. So, yeah, Marquette right now they're sitting at a pretty number four spot in in um, the Big East. And looking at it, you know they're five and three right now. They're ha- Providence is five and one. They haven't played a lot of games. Nova seven and two. Then we have a three way tie for third. It was Xavier, Connecticut, mm. and. UConn and Creighton, all four and two. So Marquette's really sitting like a game back kind of thing. Not really. Yeah, but that shows you how insane this conference is and how really it's anyone's to win. And no one expected Marquette to win it. So for them to even just be up there, that's kind of really all that matters in this stage. We hope for another win yesterday. As we said, maybe Drew will be the good luck charm at the Pfizer Forum. Get a win over Xavier as it is now time for our bet of the week. It's a Marquette bet this week. They play Wednesday. January 26th, 7.30 p.m., they're at Seton Hall. And then on Saturday, they're at Providence, 3.30 p.m. Both of these games on Fox Sports 1, both tough tests on the road. Seton Hall is definitely winnable. Providence is as well, but that's a tough, tough Friar team. So now the question is, Marquette, will they win over or under one and a half games? I knew it would be something like this. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Um, it's tough because there's no way they win by 30 plus against Providence again. There's no way. No. And is there who? Okay. Uh, over under one and a half. I'm, so I'm they win them both on the road. They, they can beat. They can beat one of those teams on the road. I don't know about both, but I, I can't just bet against, you know, the Marquette Golden Eagles. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous. So well, so you're going I'll go over. Why not? Go okay. I was going to go under because I definitely think they're going to win one. I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong with splitting this week. As long as they come out with one win, 
then we're all good. And who knows? They could lose to Seton Hall somehow and then beat Providence again. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But it could anything could happen in Big East play. So Drew's going to go over, saying they win them both. I'm going under, and it's they either win one or zero according to my bet. And obviously, I hope they win them both. But I'll take the under just to be a little different standings as we stand. Drew still has the Packers. Oh, never mind. I was, well, you had the Packers in the long bet to win the Super Bowl, but Come on. Uh, that didn't work. I forgot to update it. So we're both at two and four in our bets right now. So we're definitely under the 500 mark, and we're going to try and work our way back up there. So this will set us apart, and one of us will be at three and four, and one of us will be at two and five going into next week, episode 47. Let's move on from Marquette. We'll talk another college real quick. Your UW-Milwaukee Panthers upsetting Oakland. That's a huge win. But then, either the next day or two days later, they lose to Detroit Mercy, a team that my UW-GB Phoenix were able to beat. So that is an interesting win for the Panthers. And then a wild loss happening just days later. I don't know what happened there. And we still don't know what's happening with PVJ, do we? So if you want to talk some UW-Panthers real quick, you can go ahead. Yeah, I just want to touch on the uh, UWG. They, they upset that Detroit Mercy team. That, that yes. team is no joke. So, no. You know, Milwaukee losing to them at home actually was not a surprise. Mercy was actually favored. So, it wasn't, I, they didn't play well still. Milwaukee, they, they kind of choked down the stretch. They let, they let, let Milwaukee or they let Mercy go on a Detroit Mercy on a, you know, 7 0 run or something with two minutes to kind of just pull the game open. But this Oakland game was wow. They were, they were in control from the start. They went 37-23 at half, and they didn't look back. And it, it was certainly one of the best best games we've seen out of the Milwaukee Panthers this year by far. It's just a bummer. No PBJ in this game, but defense was there. Was such a balanced scoring attack. Josh Thomas, 10 for 13, 22 points. He had a play, actually, I believe it was hit, or actually might have been Jordan Lathan. Uh, where they threw the ball off a uh, guy's um back on the inbounds and then picked it up and then shot it. I thought I oh and I love those. It it was big. It, it came up big and yeah. Thomas led the way with a twenty two and then we saw Vin Baker Jr. He started the game off hot. I believe he had eight eight points in the first like five minutes. Finished with sixteen. Jordan Lathan finished with sixteen as well. Tafari Sims with thirteen. DeAndre Goldstein, the guy who usually we see lead them in scoring, finished with only ten and nineteen minutes played only. They really have they heavily relied on Thomas and Lathan in this game. And yeah, this Oakland team is projected to win the Horizon League and they project them to be in the tournament. This is the team right now in the Horizon League. And when they beat when you beat Oklahoma State, you're certainly a power oh, yeah. five team. So yeah, now we can say Milwaukee beat a school that beat a power five team. That's pretty cool. Not bad yeah. at all. Do we know about PBJ? Do we know anything? Is he gonna play this year even? I don't know. That's that's the question. He's been listed as out for games, and nobody knows um, really why. I I, I mean, know. obviously, he played in the start of the year, but it seems like they just kind of cut him cold turkey, and he's not doing anything now. Oh, they're saying a season-ending ankle injury now. Really? They, they shut him down. Okay. Oh, boy. That's obviously precautionary measures. I'm sure it's not that bad. And it was lingering on from the start of the year is what I've understood. Um you know, talking to some guys, it's been. Oh, oh, in his senior year, he did is what it says a season ending ankle injury. Hold on. Oh, so that's not but, even. We um, don't know. We don't know, guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But all I'm saying is there's a lingering 
he's had a lingering kind of like ankle injury tendonitis kind of going problem going on. And with that, he's been um they've really been trying to protect him. So and of course, as you mentioned, you're gonna Okay, now we got um yeah, they're still bringing up stuff from high school. I'm trying to do some research about because I know I looked at this and there, there's nothing yeah. I can really find. But there's there's odd. ankle injury he was sidelined two to three months, and that was last year, um, in hmm. like December, January of 2020, 2021. So for January 2021. So yeah, a lot of questions there. But Jamal Kane for the Oakland Grizzlies, he played in this game and he was former Marquette player, as we know. Projected as Horizon League Player of the Year, Marquette's team was actually there in support at the UWM Panther Arena for that night. So, like, Greg Elliott, Justin Lewis, those guys were there in attendance. Beautiful. In support of Jamal King because he's been thriving in the Horizon League. And, yeah, when we find, or at least when we know an update about PBJ, we'll be sure to pass it around to you guys. But just keep in mind, he's had this ankle injury problem that we've mentioned. So, that's kind of what we're leaning towards. But. There hasn't been a lot said about his status. And it obviously we knew he wasn't going to play one year and then go to the draft and then be done. We knew this guy, he was going to get some time in the Horizon League, and if they're going to bench him now for a while, even if it's this year, he got in a few games, did his thing, and now just kind of let him rest, don't force it, and hopefully he gets better over time. Let's talk Bucks real quick. Last Monday, they had a very busy week. They lost to the Hawks by 7. Then last Wednesday, they beat the Grizzlies by 12, beat the Bulls by 4 on ESPN on Friday night, and then coming off a win, 133-127 over the Sacramento Kings. So that was a nice big win for them there. And now this Bucks team plays Wednesday. They're at Cleveland. Friday they are hosting the Knicks. And then Sunday they are hosting the Nuggets. They host the Knicks, Nuggets, and Wizards through the January 28th through February 1st. So a nice little three-game homestand for this Bucks team. Did you have any Milwaukee Bucks comments that we wanted to talk about here coming off a very busy week? Yeah, it was a busy week, but it was a good week. Drew Holiday returned, and you know what You know what happened when Drew Holiday tur- returned? They, they won a three-game win streak. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. And you got to have those three guys playing together. I know Giannis was out last night, or two nights ago, that game, that Saturday night game, that Sadly, not all he'll watch because of the time it started. Sorry, at six, you only would catch an hour of it before the game. So that was a bummer. But you put up it, 133 points without Giannis, though. That's good. That, that's what I'm saying. Chris Middleton had 34. What a game for him. Uh, but Drew Holiday returning up, that was the big story this week. Uh, there's some rumors now about Brooke Lopez practicing after surgery. He's been he's been around. They, they've seen him practice. He's got this early. Yes, he's got wow. a beard now. It's oh boy, he is right now. I don't know when we'll see him. I would, I would assume not until March or April. But to hear him even practicing is huge for this Milwaukee Bucks squad. And yeah, and that's just like links that big game against the Bulls. That the Eastern Conference right now is up, you know, for grabs. And I know it's early. We're only forty nine games into the year, but. It is right now anyone's game for that. And just pulling up standings right now, we see the Bucks are at the four seed, but they're one game back of the one seed. So like it, it's that close. Every and, it's it's up for grabs is how I that when I say that like the one and the seven seed. So one through seven, they're only separated by three and a half games. Oh, that's man. how close we're talking, Jordan. 
anyone stuff though that's exciting this this is what we want yeah i agree so just the bulls or the nets are number one bulls number two heat number three then bucks number four is how it works right now and the bucks they have a big week coming up this week they could certainly make some noise with a few more wins they kind of just like reclaim that the spot that one seed where they want to be and Giannis is having another MVP year. He's it's it's him and Jokic right now as my MVPs right now. And there's some guys making some noise in the background. Of course, Steph Curry, but you know, without Draymond, they've been kind of tough. Uh, you think of like LeBron, KD, and then John Moran also steps in there, I think, for the MVP thing out with how he's played for that Grizzlies team this year. Stephen A. Smith, he'd rather have John Morant in the playoffs than Giannis. I'm sure you saw that. So that's an interesting little <sighs> Yikes, take. But yeah, not a good Stephen team. A. Smith. He also, he, tweet, he tweeted about Aaron Rodgers Saturday night, and then at the end, he put hashtag bad. And I was just like, okay, interesting. Maybe he's calling him a bad man, because that's what he says. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. It definitely was not. So that is that. Now we're going to talk real quick. NHL, it's not a hockey talk week, but real quick, this NHL schedule is now picking up because they are going to play through the Olympics. So they were going to stop play for a few weeks. Due to the Olympics and everyone was going to go out and do their own thing, but they are now in order to finish the season on time because of a lot of COVID cancellations and stuff. This team is playing through the Olympics. So the schedule has indeed picked up from February 5th to the 29th or something. I don't remember the exact dates. And that means teams are going to have to play more games, including the Minnesota wild playing 40 games in 77 days. I mean, this schedule is getting tough for a team who is without a doubt a contender this year they're coming off a tough loss to Colorado in a shootout then they beat the Blackhawks in back-to-back games so it's this schedule is getting interesting and we'll have to see how the wild if they can stay healthy and how they fare moving forward in the rest of the year the Manitowoc Lincoln Chips high school basketball before we mention the EWC we have to mention you want to talk about a bad loss you want to talk about the Packers lost to the Niners. Well, let's look no further than about a week ago today, Tuesday, January 18th, the Ships lose to Pulaski, one of the worst teams in the FRCC. They're Division Two, by the way, just about 1,200 enrollment. They're 4-9 overall in the year, but you know what? They're the worst team in the FRCC, and it's not even close. Like, you talk about your tiers in the EWC with this team here, that team here. Pulaski's the bottom of the FRCC. Pulaski led Lincoln 12 to 10 at halftime, 12 to 10. I have no words for a team that puts up a 37 point loss to Pulaski. I have no words. 37? At all. They put up 37 points. They lose 52, 37. They lost by 15 to Pulaski. They lost by 15 to Pulaski. And there's so much more I could say about this game, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Because they beat Preble on Friday. So there you go. Nice little rebound win at Green Bay Preble. Able to get the job done. And I'm not even going to say anything anymore. Because they play Sheboygan South tomorrow. They host Sheboygan South. And we take a look at the FRCC standings. Sheboygan South, 1-8 in conference action. And, you know, Pulaski's 1-8 as well. Pulaski's only win comes against Lincoln. Sheboygan South, they're 4-10 overall. Drew, do you want to take a guess who Sheboygan South's only conference win comes against? Pulaski, of course. Of course it is. 67-62. They beat Pulaski. So I'm not even going to say that the ships have a guaranteed win tomorrow because there's nothing guaranteed anymore. Absolutely nothing guaranteed 
with this ship's team anymore. It is not good. It is not good at all to watch. So let's talk EWC ball. We've got some conference games tomorrow night that we're going to talk about. But first, let's go back to Friday. Conference action resumed. Roncalli only puts up 47. I was very curious to see this as they beat Chilton 47 to 29. I mean, we've seen Luke Pouts do that in one game. He gets 23 points here. And this is the supporting cast that we worry about. 23 points for Pouts, just five points. And you know who the second leading scorers were? Brett Simmer and Reese Stangle. Fisher with three, Yonda with three, Whitstack with four. That's not good. For Ron Colley, this supporting cast is what it's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Keel beats New Holstein 74-59. Brilliant beats Falls 75-45. And then Valors beats TR 60-35. Drew, were you a little concerned at all? Because this was like a two-point game at the half. Valders barely leading TR. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was cert- I saw that and I was very I was questioning what was going on. We have no player data for this game, sadly, but they they rebound. They did fine. Twenty five point yes. win. You know that's why you play two halves, Jordan. Yeah, so I'm just not look, look at the second half. It. Don't look at the first. Not gonna look much into it, but yeah, you wanna then talk now about upcoming Tuesday games, and then we'll just kind of briefly mention the uh, regular season, the conference standings. I think. That, yes, that's we don't we don't have a whole lot of stats from those Friday games, which is interesting. No. But... I'm... We did a 75-minute episode, too, last week, if you yes. want to go listen to that. So that's going to be your basketball fix if you want some more high school. Got old girls to start, and then rounds it off with guys. So a whole EWC recap in there. TR is at Brilliant. Obviously, we know Brilliant will win that one. Falls is at Keel. Keel will win that one. No Holstein at Ron Colley. No Holstein got slobbered at their home court earlier in the year. And then Chilton at Valor. So it seems like the home team this week, Drew, is going to win all the games pretty easily yeah and now we're seeing the second game as a conference come yep. back around and this is kind of how it was the start the first two three games were all blowouts and we got all the good games at the end so that's how it's going to be again this time around so yeah all the all four of these teams home teams winning a blowout all double digits so nothing nothing exciting there and then i'm looking we don't have conference games again until february 4th and yeah february 4th is the next full slate of conference games obviously we'll talk about that when we get there, that'll be next week's episode topic. But taking a look right now, EWC standings and stat leaders to round off our episode before trivia. Brilliant is still up top, 8-0. They're 15-0 overall. Chad Jimmick doing a great job with that team. Ron Colley, 7-1, just that one loss to Brilliant. 13-2 overall. Keel, 6-2, third in the conference. Valder's fourth at 5-3. and three. It's really the top tier. It's those four. Then you got the bottom tier with the losing records, Chilton three and five, TR two and six, and Holstein one and seven, and Falls zero oh and eight. And uh, I don't know if I don't know if Falls is going to win a conference game. If they do, it's going to come against New Holstein, possibly TR. But while I pull up the stat leaders, is Falls going to win a conference game? Sitting at one fourteen overall. I I think they beat they. I don't know. I they could beat New Holstein come time around. I mean, New Holstein's played well as of late. So I don't know if I can say that. I think their best bet, actually, I hate to keep picking on TR, but they're, they're five. They have the same record as Valors. If we look overall, I know non-con games has been kind of where they've won their games with three non-conference wins, but, and Valors having zero, but still, I think that TR team might be their best bet still just not based on matchups because on that false team, I don't know who guards like Phil Casper and yeah, Jaden Braun. I think there's more questions uh, with that new Holstein team. 
for for how they can guard. And Phil Casper's good. He's just stuck on a bad team. Yeah. So let's look at the standings here. Luke Pout or the stat leaders, I should say, through 14 games played. Luke Pout's 29.3 points per game. Jeremy Learns 20.2, and that is also through 14 games. Pierce Arns through 15 games with 17.4. Then we go and take a look at the rebounds. Grandma's 15.1 a game with through 15. And that is three more than Luke Pouts with one less game played. And those are the big ones, obviously, that you always want to look at. Pierce Arns also leads in assists with 5.6, almost six assists a game. He has 84 assists. And that is a lot more than Mason Myers through 11 games, who has 50 assists. But through 14 games, Witzak has 57 and Pouts has 55. If you have any other EWC comments before we get to trivia, the floor is yours. No, let's go to trivia here, Jordan. But Let's do it. Yeah, that's the all final, The final bit of season four of trivia. So it all comes down to this. Let's recap. Let's set the stage. 30 of 50 in seasons one and season two. You might tie that here. We'll have to see. 37 out of 50 last season. That by far your best performance. And now you're 28 out of 45. You need to go three out of five to make this your second best season in the categories football video games prior to 2000. And we had did a basketball video games prior to 2000. Now let's do football. This is before we were even alive. So it's going to be a lot of guessing, but you've got options and let's do it. True or false? Two of the first three football video games released were simply called football. True. It is true. So one, it was in 1965 and then one in that one was not called football that one was called ft ball so technically that doesn't count because it wasn't called football but then football in 72 and 78 so it was indeed true two out of the first three were called football spelled as it normally is spelled next question the first football game released on nintendo what was it called was it called nfl smash 10 yard fight or Red Zone Rumble? Um, okay, could you read the options again? So was it called NFL Smash? Was it called 10-Yard Fight? Or was it called Red Zone Rumble? Which of those was the first football game released on Nintendo? <sighs> okay, the first and the third one sound like a Nintendo kind of name. I'll go... I'll go Red Zone Rumble. Okay, I like your thinking. It's incorrect, though. It was actually 10-Yard Fight. So it was one of those kind of cartoony names, Red Zone Rumble. I don't, I might've made that one up, actually. I don't know if that was a real game or not. I'd have to look it up, but I know one of these I actually made up. So, and that was in 1983 when that game came, oh, 10 yard fight. Next question. The first Madden game was released in what year? If you want to just throw it a year and guess, you can for fun. Was it like 89? That's incorrect, but your options say... 1990, 1993, or 1995? Oh, I was a year off from eliminating one. Or maybe getting it right. Or maybe getting it right, whichever way you want to look. I'll say... 1993 or 95? I'll say 1993. Yes, that is correct. I'm glad you didn't go with the 90. 1993 is correct. You got two right now. So we're sitting at 30 correct answers. You just got to get one of these next two right. True or false, Bill Walsh college football was the first college football game released. The Bill Walsh college football. 
Mm. That is what it was called. Was that the first college football game released? False. It's true. That was the first one released, and it was in 1993. Oh, boy. It all comes down to this. Final question to try and go 31 of 50 and do better than he did in seasons one and seasons two. This one's tricky. How many football video games were released in 1999? Was it one game? Was it three games? Or was it seven games? Okay, I know I know. back then there was a lot of competition. I'll go seven. It was indeed yes. seven. I didn't know if I would throw you off with the first two, and then maybe you'd steer away. I put all the titles down. So, Backyard Football, NFL 2K, Madden NFL 2000, NCAA Football 2000, NFL Quarterback Club 2000, NFL Game Day 2000, and NFL Extreme 2. Those were the seven. I don't know how many licensing deals the NFL had for video games. But my goodness, they had a lot. A 31 of 50. Let's go. Season four in trivia. Nothing wrong with that. That's the second best season, as we've said. And now, Drew, I have a, I have a proposition to make. So next week will be episode 47. So that means we have 47, 48, and 49. Before we get to episode 50, I want to do a big trivia Starting in season 50, obviously 50 questions for episode 50. We won't do all 50 in the episode, but that'll be season five starting there. So my question is to you, should we do a season four and a half type of thing where it is introduction to hockey trivia for three weeks? Let's do it. All right, we're going to do it. I have one in mind. We'll do like kind of the rules and the basics. And then one will do like team names or that sort of thing. And then one will do divisions. I was kind of thinking it through this week. So that'll be the next three weeks of trivia. Maybe I'll throw like a Super Bowl one in there, but we'll figure it out either way. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the sports crew. Drew, you want to tell the people what we got coming this week? Is it a three episode week? College athlete spotlight and journey to a million. Nothing on Thursday. Yep. Sounds like a three episode week here. We got Jacob Stevens coming on from, I believe South was at Southwestern Minnesota State University. He is a wheelchair basketball player out there. So we'll have him on talking about his journey from Georgia to Minnesota. Now that's going to be a great episode. That's Wednesday. You'll hear that 8 a.m. And then also we got Friday. We got the journey to a million. It continues to episode seven already. Wow. So Big that's time. that's what you got coming your way this week. I have not been doing well on the bets lately. Let me just tell you, these things have been left and right falling I've been, through. I've been taking dubs left and right. So you do a lot more basketball ones, though. I just stayed at football. I know, but I've been used to, I was going crazy. And, yes. and it was Southwest Minnesota State University, SMSU. I want to apologize. All right. to, that's a mouthful. That is. That's, that's where Jacob Stevens is right now. So that's, we'll be talking about that. So that's Wednesday. You'll hear him two days from now if you're listening on Monday. And thank you all once again for listening to another edition of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.